Welcome back to the show, everybody. Three Beers Podcast is brought to you by ERT Radio. ERT Radio, courtesy of Ron there. Check him out. Go to Mixler.com forward slash ERT Radio and just subscribe, set up an account real quick, um, follow us. He's got a bunch of great programming on there. And I said, ERT Radio, proud sponsor of Three Beards Podcast. Guys, we have a great one. Um, it's Jason Board. He uh, is the author. He has four books. Um, the one that we're going to be covering is Nightmares, Your Guide to Interpreting Your Darkest Dreams. This is through Visible, Visible Ink Press. Um, you can find this on Amazon. You can go to his website, jmdeboard.com, and you can also find, find links to those things, too, as well as more information on him and the things that he he offers along with just um, just his books, but this is well accomplished. He has got many, like I said, the books on dream interpretations, nightmare interpretations. Uh, there, he goes by on Reddit, um, Rat Owl, which is kind of a cool name. I really like that. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Just dream interpretation dictionary. And say same way with this nightmares one. This is literally an encyclopedia. Just basically by buying this. It just kind of gives you an overview. Did you see this in your nightmare? This is kind of what this is. This is what it potentially means, what it may signify. And uh, really, really enjoyed it. But without further ado, we are going to get right to it. And like I said, Jason Ward is next right now. Welcome to the Three Beards Podcast. My name is Craig, along with Austin and Chris. Past. To a new generation of Americans born in this century. Let me out. Chris, everybody, if you've been following the group, Chris is feeling under the weather today. Austin is MIA somewhere in the central Florida area. APPs are out for him. To, so if anybody sees the giant ginger squatch roaming around in the woods with his head underneath the truck, to, um, tap him on the shoulder and tell him he needs to get on the show. But hey, until, the until then, yes. <laughs> like, I said, like I said in the beginning. Hurt Radio. Go subscribe. Follow their shows. They said, real appreciate it. Him taking it, taking an interest in our show. I really appreciate that. But without further ado, let's bring on the man of the hour, Jason DeVord. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing great, Craig. Thank you for having me on the show. Great introduction. Thank you. Trickle. Ah, Appreciate it. Yes. There's their nightmares. Let's see if I can get a better thing without the lights are hitting there. 
you know, your guide to interpreting your darkest dreams. Uh, so this, this one, we'll get the obligatory, you know, questions out of the way, you know. So tell me, what led you to decide that you wanted to delve into the nightmare scenario? You know, so you get the, you get those kind of questions. It's like you want to make a book on nightmares. What you you found yourself, like I said, you've written four yeah. books on dream interpretations, nightmare interpretations. The real serious question is what what led you to this passion of trying to seek out and you know determine like what is the meaning behind these crazy, you know, why I'm walking around the neighborhood with a fire extinguisher wearing only boxers and I keep running into a Volkswagen Beetle. What does this mean? <laughs> well, it means something to you and yeah. um, nightmares, night nightmares in particular are the kinds of dreams that people want to know what they mean. And it takes them uh, like they may have never have had an interest in dream interpretation before, but then they have a nightmare or even better recurring nightmares that makes them want to know because they can tell that there's a message behind them. And if the dream is having to give you, if the dreaming mind is having to give you nightmares to get the message across, it means that the, uh, there's something especially urgent that you need to know. So I wanted to write a book that would help people who are in that situation. A lot of books on nightmares that are out there are, um, geared towards the therapy side of nightmares, and they don't necessarily get into the interpretation side of it. See, the in the study of nightmares, one of the things that's come forward from all the clinical evidence is that the nightmares go away or it will at least evolve once you get the message. So mm -hmm. if you can interpret the meaning of the nightmare, make the connection with what's going on in your life, now you've gotten the message and now you can make that progress. So as opposed to um, therapy, I was approaching it more from the interpretation side, which is really what I specialize in because I've been, you know, at Reddit as Radal, um, I've gained a, a public uh, reputation as for my skill with uh, interpreting dreams, but also for explaining it for a general audience. You know, that therapeutic audience, those are people who've got special training and background oftentimes um, that can make it harder for the person who just wants to know what their darn nightmare means to be able to pick up their book and understand where they're really, really where they're coming from. But with my book, I think you can pick it up and you can immediately get up to speed. Uh, you described it as an encyclopedia for nightmares, which is I, I kind of came up with the concept of it um, so that you could zero in on the symbol or the theme that's in your dream. It could be the tidal wave that's always coming in. It could be the monster that's chasing you, you know. Um, but I'm, I, so I wanted to be able to do that, um, to be able to help people to zero right in on something that they've seen in their dream and then get them into the process of interpretation. But at the same time, I wanted to make the book um, like entertaining for people who just want to expand their knowledge of this subject. They may not necessarily have nightmares, but they would be interested in it kind of in the same way that, you know, you don't have to be a serial killer to have an interest in serial killers, which, by the way, is one of the things that I talk about in the book. That's a very common mm -hmm. symbol and yeah. uh, theme in nightmares. Like there's um, hell. You know, that's what I said. You got a section out there. You know, just, yeah, there's a really, it's really fascinating. Like I said, and just, hey, just for you know, I took this with me when, when I went on vacation. And this was, as I'm sitting on a deck chair, this is the book as people are walking past me, they see me reading 
this one. So I've got my nose, like I said, and I'm just sitting here, just flipping through, just reading a book on nightmares while I'm on vacation. <laughs> well, um, you know, it may not be bedside reading for a lot of people. Um, I've been told um, by other people who've read it that they that they advise readers to perhaps not read it before they go to bed because um, I don't flinch when it comes to nightmares don't flinch because they're taking an unflinching look at something that's going on in your life and they're dramatizing it. So I, as yeah. an author and as a teacher, I can't flinch because I have to be able to approach subjects that people actually dream about. So like one of the things in the book is there's a very extensive discussion of rape because rape is a mm -hmm. common theme in nightmares. Um, and I, I have to be able to explain it in a way that uh, gets across what it is, why a person is dreaming about this and what it means symbolically, how it connects to them and their life. And oftentimes what you find behind cases where people have especially recurring nightmares about rape is that there's a, some very severe trauma that they've experienced. So I have to be able to get into those uh, subjects in uh approach them in a way that does justice to it. I'm always thinking of the person who has had that experience. As I'm writing, I'm thinking of the person who has shared their nightmare with me about rape and the, the way that I have been able to see that it impacted them. So when I write the book, I need to think of it as I'm sitting across from this person and we're having a conversation. So at the one on the one hand, yeah, I can be delicate with the subject, but on the other hand, I have to be kind of unflinching. So yeah. each side reading, you know, there is a little bit of that content in there. Well, I will warn readers that there is some content in the book that is, um, it's rated R. That's just the nature of the, of the subject matter. And, you know, um, I, I want readers to know that I can handle this subject in a way that um, will uh, help them to understand what's going on in some inside of themselves that's producing these nightmares, these tra traumatic experiences that they're having in their sleep. And it does serve a purpose, which we can get into if you'd like to go to your next question. Uh, nightmares do serve a purpose. There is a reason for yeah. them. And ultimately, it is for healing. So um, yeah, I was thank you for um, the, like, Go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. I was going to say, you're, you know, you're welcome. You're most welcome. That's so sad. That's... That was one of the things I really, I really did. Yes, there are some ones like this where they touch on that darker side, you know, where it's, it's not, you know, this isn't something you, you sit down with your kids and you read to them as a bed night, you know, bedtime story, you know, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. that's not, that's not what you know, designed here. It's just, it's basically, we'll kind of touch on yours, you know, the reoccurring thing that you had starting at, you know, I think I want to say it was nine. Yeah, it started when I was nine. By the way, I see Laura's question, and um, let's uh, make a note that we'll come back to that. Uh, okay. About people, people trying to get into her house—that's interesting. Well, okay, so let me let's get into what led me into the subject of nightmares. It was because I had a personal experience with it, and um, it started when I was nine years old, and it continued for thirty years. Um, you, you would call it an ordeal. I ended up in the office of a shaman, and we. We um, we did a shamanic ritual and I found out that sometimes there are things that are behind your nightmares that have a reality and an existence of their own. OK, so uh, let's get into it. Mm -hmm. I um, 
So I'm nine years old, you know, kids have nightmares, no big deal. And I had one of those that where I I'm biking down the street of my neighborhood and there's this man in a car behind me. He just is there all of a sudden. And I kind of zoom in on his face and I'm like, he's like a supernatural bad guy. He looks like the dark Lord from star Wars, but I'm 52 years old and those movies had just come out. So my mind was drawing from something to create this imagery that wasn't, it was like a supernatural bad guy, but you know, I didn't watch scary movies. We had four channels on our television. We still had the rabbit ears for the antennas. I mean, you know, I wasn't getting a lot of exposure to scary stuff. And, um, he, um, he starts chasing me and I try to outrun him on my bike and I see a store. I run inside it thinking that there's going to be adults in there who are going to help me. The store is empty and I see a pinball machine. I go and I run behind the pinball machine and then I see the man's shadow kind of coming up to the door and he's entering into the place and I know that he's coming and I know that he wants my soul. He wants the most important part of me. That's what I understood soul to be. I, you know, at nine years old, you don't really have, you know, a sophisticated understanding of these things yet. So I just knew that he wanted the most important part of me. And that after he took it, I would be dead. So of course I'm terrified. And um, I woke up from the dream, you know, panting, sweating, probably screaming. And, you know, you realize that, oh, it was a nightmare. It wasn't real. And so I kind of go on with my life, but that memory is still sticking with me. I, I had that dream, it just, that nightmare just kept coming up uh, in my mind. So 10 years old, 11 years old, 12 years old, I'm still not constantly, but, you know, it just would pop out every once in a while and very unexpectedly. So I was, in seventh grade, I was in this enrichment class and I had a really cool teacher and he invited in one day to talk to the class, a dream analyst. I mean, of all people, a dream analyst? Well, yeah. And the analyst said, is there anyone who's had a nightmare that would like to explore, you know, to see if we can find out the roots of it? And I'm like, yeah, I had one. And so I'm the volunteer. He takes me into a regression process. It's kind of like a light hypnosis. And he says, find the roots of this thing that happened. In the nightmare, there's a cause behind it. See if you can find out what it is. And I thought about it and I'm kind of going into my imagination and I see these two families and I can feel that they just hate each other. And I kind of feel them on one side and they're on the other and I'm seeing them in my mind's eye and they're just, it's a blood feud, Hatfields and McCoys, you know, just terrible. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I, I tell this to the analyst and he says, see if you can find a way that will resolve their conflict. And I said, okay. And I thought about it and I'm 12 or 13 years old at the time. And I'm, I said, you know, fighting is wrong. You all have been hurting each other. And this is, this is not right. You should not, you know, you, we should all just get along. And you know, that doesn't get, that didn't work out real well. The, uh, no. the scene started getting really <laughs> unstable and, uh, they said um, uh, the analyst kind of pulled me out of it because the people were starting to get really angry and he could tell that things were getting out of hand. So, you know, we come, you know, that's all over with now and I don't really have any answer yet, but I have this sort of blood trail that I'm leaving behind me of, you know, my wounded psyche, something in me is deeply wounded and I don't know what it is. I'm too young to understand what's going on with me, but boy, my teenage years were rough and I, I got in a lot of trouble and I, I got myself into some things that were, you know, uh, I, I count myself lucky to be alive because there were several times in my life that I was, you know, I, I could have ended up, 
you know, on the other side of the dirt. I was that out of control. And um, I get into my 20s and I'm very addictive and I have a lot of sort of dark feelings inside of me that seem to be in conflict with another part of me that wanted to be kind of live in the light. And um, I started experiencing these nightmares again with this man. And when I was kind of in the throes of addiction and down in the gutter, it didn't bother me a whole lot. Are we back? We're here. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay, good. Everything yeah, just froze. It just, the image just froze. We could hear you, you know, yeah. audio. So. I'll know yeah. that for future reference. Okay. So the, um, uh, the, the man, you know, he started appearing in my nightmares again. And it was when I was doing better in my life and kind of getting over the addictive side and getting into predat- uh, prayer and meditation and living in more of a light-filled person. Um, the man started showing up more and his purpose was to get me off of track. And after having him appear in the nightmares over and over again, finally one night he appeared or his, he sent his minions. The typical scenario was I'd be going down a dark street. It's raining. It's kind of a city street. Everything's kind of abandoned. And then a van would pull up next to me. The door opens and there's his three goons and they've come to like kidnap me. And this one time when they showed up, I'm like, oh, great, here we go again. And I said, no, tell me where he is. I'm going to go to him and we're going to have, we're going to finish this thing. And so then I appear in this glass office tower and I'm at the top floor. Everything is glass and steel. It's middle of the night. In the center of the room is a glass coffin. And the Dark Lord, he actually identified himself. The dream identified him by name. They called him the Dark Master. He's in the coffin, and he looks like he's he's not putting up any resistance. He's not trying to get away. He's like a vampire who, you know, he's just kind of dormant. And I come up on him, and I wrap my hands around his throat, and I just squeeze with all my might. And I can feel all the anger and the hatred that I have for this man and all the damage that he's done to to me. And I have a sense that he's done more. He's done done damage to other people, to my family, to my ancestors. He's been around for a long, long time, like a vampire. Mm -hmm. And I'm just squeezing, squeezing. And I can hear him. He, He opens like his eyes are open and he's just looking dead at me. And he's happy. He's even laughing. I can hear it in my mind. And it's because I'm feeding on my anger. If you go to the Star Wars mythology, how was it that they, they converted Jedi to the dark side? They got them to feed on their anger. Yep. And so I, you know, it. this thing just, I realized that in that moment that I can't beat him that way. And the dream just sort of dissolves at that point. And I wake up and I'm in tears. I mean, I'm in despair at this point. I was in my late twenties and, um, the man, you know, kind of went into the background again of my dreams and then he appeared again. And, and when I was in my late thirties, later thirties, and that's when a friend of mine who saw what was going on with me said that she thought that it was more than just the standard problems that people have that show up in their dreams. And I agreed with her and she said that she knew someone who could help me. It was a shaman who had, um, when her husband died, he, he died in a bike at a biking accident. So it was, he was a young guy and he died all of a sudden. 
um, his spirit hung around and she went to the shaman to be able to be, to help as act as a medium so that, you know, uh, she would, they would be able to resolve things and he could move on to the afterlife. And she was a very smart, wise, down to earth woman. And for her to say that she a hundred percent believed in the experience that she had convinced me that, um, the person that she was recommending to me was the real deal. So I show up in wow. his office and uh, I tell him the story about all the, you know, beginning with the original nightmare and then the dream analyst and then the dream with the him, the, the dark tower with the, the, you know, the bad man in it, how I could feel his presence sometimes in my waking life. It, there were times that I felt like he was talking through people's mouths and, working in to make situations kind of work against me. Like he was like the wizard in the background who's conjuring up the energy, you know, and he's kind That's of great. hitting great. me with this thing. And, uh, you know, uh, I explained all this to the shaman and he went up to his spirit guides and came back and he said, there is something that you, your family, the bridge, that dream with that analyst, when that experience where you saw a family feud, he said that you were actually really close to the, the way I'm understanding this situation. We'll say the truth. He said that, um, that the, a long time ago, many generations ago, there was a woman on my maternal line who had stolen the husband of another woman. And that other woman hired a sorcerer to cast a curse against her, the, you know, my ancestor and my family line so that they would marry tragic men. She had her husband taken from her. So she thought as revenge, she would take, you know, the, the, the women who got married and who, you know, in the, in my ancestry um, would marry tragic men now, you know, if that guy was cold reading me, that was a hell of a guess because my grandmother married five men and she outlived them all. My grandfather died when he was 43 of his third heart attack after the stress and the addiction got to him. Um, what I can tell from my family line going back on my mother's side is that there's a lot of tragedy and the men in particular were tragic men. Now, you know, for the shaman to come up with this information without knowing anything else about me and my family history was just, you know, jaw dropping. He said, um, are you ready to end this thing? And I, uh, you know, <laughs> you just keep walking forward. I'm like, I've, I've come this far. So we uh, conducted a shamanic ritual and we uh, we went to find where that man that sorcerer, what he said was that sorcerer was bound to the black magic that he used. And that when he died physically, that his spirit remained in a place um, that was not quite in the afterlife, that he was in a sort of a limbo or a purgatory type of place, and that he still had access to the physical world and that he was still using his power. He was almost like a slave to that power. He had to continue playing the role that he played in physical life as the black magician. He had to continue playing that role. And um, we, uh, we found him uh, in a metaphysical space. And um, the, we ha I had kind of a conversation with him telepathically. 
Uh, I had one of the most powerful experiences of my life during the final moment. The shaman could tell that I wasn't able to break through. And he read my, he knew from my dreams that I had recurring dreams of tornadoes. I didn't tell him. He just knew this. And he said, look up. And I do. And I'm in, now we're in trance. And I'm looking up in my mind's eye. And I see that there's a funnel cloud around me. This is like an F5 tornado. This black clouds and swirling energy. And I can see it all around us. I look up into the top of it. And there is the eye of providence. The, the God's eye is looking down. And he said, the tornadoes were never here for you. They don't want you. They want him. And I knew at that moment that God had showed up for my battle with this man. And I said, yes. And I felt the connection come through to the man, like telepathically, like he's right here. My camera's right here. Like he's, he's here. And, yeah, and, that's, connected. Yep. and he said, or I said to him, he was trying to make me angry. He showed me pictures of all the tragedy that he had caused me and my, my family, my ancestry. And he wanted me to be distracted by that. And I said, no, no, I forgive you in the name and my name and the name of my family. Now go into the light. And I felt that funnel cloud. I could feel the energy come up below me and like rise up through my body, through the crown of my head. And I looked up and I saw this pyramid of light form around my body, like four lines of power, like just of energy. And I could feel the base and I could feel that energy come up and concentrate to a point. And it shot up into the eye, like in the, in the funnel. And I could feel the man lifting up out of the place where he was and going into the light. So the shaman, right at that moment, he goes like really loudly and I could feel the energy just go like it was done. And I kind of open my eyes and I look at him and he looks at me. He's like, wow, <laughs> you know, <laughs> even for him, wow. that was a really powerful experience. And um, after that, the man was gone. So uh, the presence was gone from my life. And uh, I... I, uh, I've wondered ever since then how much of what I experienced was real and how much of it was imaginary. Um, and I don't care anymore because what I learned from that experience is that when you have something like this happen to you, whether it's through nightmares or say like a poltergeist haunting, um, alien abduction, something like this that's paranormal and very powerful is you need to take responsibility for your end of things, because if you don't, you'll never be able to resolve the situation to take responsibility. You have to treat it as 100% real because if you don't, then you'll never be able to hit it with the sort of personal force that you need in and determination uh, to be able to look inside of yourself and find out what it is that you're doing to attract this kind of experience to yourself. And, um, that was uh, something that I wove into the book when the publisher, you know, you asked me about writing that book and it's funny. So when the publisher came to me with the contract, they said, uh, we want you to write a, an interpretation guide about nightmares. And my first thought was, I'm not going to share the story of my nightmare. It was the first thing I thought, I'm not going to do this. And then I realized that um, people out there have these experiences 
And they need to know from someone like me, who's, you know, I have a reputation as an expert. So they look to me for answers. And I, I needed to validate their experience. I needed to share my experience to validate theirs. And uh, trust me, this is the last thing I want to be talking about right now is this experience oh. that I've had. Oh, yeah. You know? um, but I'm doing it because I know that there's other people who've had these experiences, and I want them to know that there is a way through it. So, Good question for you. Yes. Um, in your family, um, I don't know your family or, or how many other cousins or brothers or sisters and, and how long this has been going on. After you, after you had the resolve with this shaman, did you know? Did their lives change? Did people notice that things? You know, did others notice? Like, wow, that you know, things changed a lot. Like, like, wow, Bill's great, and or you know, Cindy's yeah. doing really good because that that gives you a little bit more. What what sometimes what you get as a nightmare is actually like you said, very real. Um, this is something we know, paranormal investigating, and these are a lot of things we deal with. Um, yes. So I was wondering what the side effect was for other family members that you're, you know, you're aware of? Well, one of the things that the shaman said was that this was the curse was against uh, the, it was a generational curse and it was against the maternal side. And of course, you know, I'm a guy. And he said that um, the, I was first conceived my, when my soul entered into my mother's body um, when, when I was in the womb she said the first time he said that the first time she was pregnant, that I was, it was a female and that right. baby miscarried um, mm -hmm. very early in the pregnancy. And he said though, that what it did by inhabiting the female body, he said that it attracted the power of the curse to me. He said though, that I knew that I wouldn't have the resources that I needed to be able to complete this mission. So I came back in a male body. Now, my mom, I was the first, my mom had two more boys. And then 20 years after I came into the world, my little sister came into the world. Oh. And when I was having these nightmares, I was, I could, I was having nightmares about her being possessed by a demon. I could see it in her chest. I could like a, a blurry sort of thing in the air and I could see it in her chest. And this really distressed me. Um, I mentioned in the book that I realized as I was in the session with the shaman that my sister was involved in this too. Um, and I want to say that it was happy, you know, happily ever after, but she has experienced things that have been um, very mysterious illnesses, um, almost a constant stream of misfortune and illness and other things. But she's also been blessed with an incredible child. My niece Sadie. And it seems that Sadie has not been, um, this thing didn't carry down to her. So between my sister yeah. and I, we were able to stop it with us. Um, that's great. That's and fantastic. that's what we're hoping, you know, yeah, that, that's fantastic. I, I really yeah, think it was my mom. <laughs> my mom's a very brave woman and she's lived through things that were very, you know, just very, especially early in life. And she could have succumbed to the darkness that was in her life, but she didn't. She had a determination and she also had, she had very strong faith. And I think that I can, I would give a lot of credit to my mom um, for instilling that in her children. Um, and 
making us be able to face things in life with eyes wide open. Um, so I can I know that in my own life that it was a turning point. If you knew me up to that point, and there's probably people who are you know going to see your podcast, there's going to be someone out there who's going to go, I knew that dude in high school, and he was trouble because I was man, I was trouble, and that's, I. Yeah, that's- Oh, it works. Very, very addictive. Uh, anything that made me feel good was an instant addiction for me. And um, I it caused a lot of pain to a lot of people. And um, I, um, after that experience with the shaman, um, I started really turning things around, especially with the addictiveness. Now, I'm, I'm 52 years old now, and that was when I was in my late 30s. And um, I have no interest anymore in that sort of intoxicated lifestyle. And I, I try as best as I can to live from my heart um, and to be the change that I want to see in the world. And the change that I want to see is more connection and kindness between each other, more patience and more love. So I can say that it did a lot for me. And I think it has helped others who have dealt with the same entity that I did Uh, specifically. I think that it has helped my sister, Um, but she's also had to deal with her own issues too at the same time. And she's going to have to find her own resolution for it. I think it's, I think what you're doing is fantastic. And um, some of the hardest parts of life are, you know, doing what you did, like you got to confront this head on and, you know, be the, the nip it in the bud, as they say. Um, so what you're doing is wonderful. And, and, you know, yes, in order, it's really funny people that, that, that get to an ascension or a, um, or we're real part expression, badasses in life. Uh, a lot of them have an issue or something happens and then they, they turn it around and they're not the badass anymore that, you know, this happened to you, believe it or not. Um, the the uh, world renowned psychic Edgar Casey was not the nicest guy in the planet. Um, there's a couple of the psychics that were not very nice. They were, you know, on their way to jail and prison, had an accident, had an issue, or just did a confrontation. Three sixty, and now they're very well known, and everything's you know it's good. So I give you credit for for all you've done. Thank you, um, Edgar Casey is one of my inspirations. By the way, I, I try to, I um, I'm to the point where I'm um, the main moderator of the Edgar Casey forum at Reddit. I found oh. it orphaned and uh, somebody needed to sort of just keep an eye on it. So I volunteered to do that um, along with dreams and the uh, psychology of Carl Jung and reincarnation and past lives. Um, Cause I have, I have some experience with these subjects, you know, in my book, I talk about how um, I learned something as I was studying the history of nightmares and how, they're perceived um, in various cultures. And one of the things I learned was that the, in some cultures, nightmares, living through a nightmare is perceived as a heroic act that the person who survives a nightmare um, or, you know, like maybe they slay the monster in the nightmare. Yay, they're the hero. But just surviving it, they consider the nightmare to be a real experience. Like it's not just a dream. You know, you hear this a lot in Western culture in particular. 
the in other cultures they understand these things to be more that there's an experience that you're having in the dream world and that surviving the nightmare raises you to the level of a hero and i thought that was kind of a funny way of looking at it and as i wrapped my mind around it i realized that this is how we create our heroes we put them through trauma you know you could go through special forces training and if you come out the other side of that, then you have survived an ordeal. And now you're qualified to be a special forces soldier, you know, the elite. Uh, we also do this with our saints. They, and many saints endure terrible ordeals. And shamans too, the initiation for a shaman often begins with a life-threatening illness. And they have to survive the ordeal. And some of them don't. The, in the same way with special forces training, we don't hear about the guys who, you know, and the, the girls who, you know, they go through these ordeals and they don't make it. It either kills them or crushes them. So in a way, what I found is that um, the, these experiences, whether in nightmares or through things like hauntings, um, they will make you find greater capability and strength within yourself than you knew that you had. And that's what I've, come to realize is part of the reason why we have these experiences to begin with, because otherwise we wouldn't push ourselves to our limits and beyond. You know, how, how many challenges do we have in life these days that really push us to our limits with our lives on the line? You know, it's one right. thing to be pushed into your limits when you're playing your Xbox or something, you know, mm -hmm. it's another thing to be pushed to your limits where you feel like you're going to die. You know, your life is on the line. It's hanging in the balance. And that's the way I felt with the man in my nightmare. And that's what I've also seen in other people who've had these kinds of experiences. And oddly, I mean, we sign up for it at a deeper level, kind of a soul level. It says, this is what you're, you know, this is what you're here to do. And you can deny it. You can run from it. You can hide from it. Some people are able to do that and they can kind of go on and live their lives, let's just say rather normally, but they'll always realize that there was an opportunity that passed them by, an opportunity yep. to find out what they're really made of. Now, our sponsor, um, Ron, yeah, he actually chimed in too. He's like, and this is actually a question. It's kind of funny. You talked about like the training side too. It's nice synchronicity there. He's like, what are the signs to look for during a nightmare? Um, I would wonder signs to look for, uh, like, uh, maybe he can expand on what he means by the, uh, by the question. Um, and we'll, we'll give it a second here. I, um, yeah, no, then no, no, we could go back to those ones. Like you wanted me to remind you of the yeah, one that Laura, I, I just, Laura asked. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Trying to get into her house. Okay. Let's have some fun with this. All right. So, um, Think of the house as a representation that a dream is created. And the one way is you can think of it is, is that the house is the life that you've created for yourself. Your consciousness lives within your body. It lives really kind of within your mind. Your mind is within your body. A dream needs to take the idea and turn it into a physical representation. It, it's, it takes something that is intangible. It's an idea. It begins with you build your life or you construct your life for yourself. And so now the dream takes that and turns it into your house. 
because your house is the place that you dwell within. And that could be your mind, your spirit, your body. Um, but also there's the idea when you say, you know, I've constructed a good life for myself. How does a dream take that and turn it into an idea? Well, your life is something that you kind of live within. So it builds a house that's yours. And then it shows a good scene along with it to say that you have a good life. So the also here's another concept that can help with specifically with Laura's dream. Inside of the house, the interior can represent the inner part of you. It's your inner life. Outside of the house is your outer life. And the doors and the windows are your boundaries, the places where you can, between your inner and your outer. So if people are trying to get into your house, it can mean that something is trying to cross your boundaries. Now, I've helped with dreams of this type where it was kind of obvious. Um, to give an example, there was a woman who had a dream that she knew that a stranger was coming to her door uh, and she bolted out of bed ran to the door knowing that the door was unlocked and she wanted to lock it before the stranger could turn the knob. And just as she's getting to the door, the, the knob turns and the door is starting to open and there's this strange man on the other side. And I started off explaining to her what it can mean. Something is coming right up to your boundary and it's trying to cross it. Can you, does that idea resonate with you? And she said, yeah, my, I, my dad has been in and out of my life for years. And he um, recently appeared again. And he asked, he said that he's changed himself and changed, you know, turned things around for himself. And he wants to be part of my life again, not just her life, but her family. She had kids, a husband, thing like that, things like that. And she said, but I don't want to give him another chance because every time in the past that I've done that, I've regretted it. So now go back to her dream. There's a strange man her father is a stranger to her because he hasn't been part of her life in a long time. She doesn't really know him. So the stranger comes to her door and she's trying to lock the door before he can get into it, which is a way of saying that she needs to determine to herself that she's not going to give in this time, that she's going to say, no more chances. I'm not letting you back into my life. If she lets him through the door, it means that she's letting him back into her life. So now with that as an example, you can look at a dream where somebody's trying to get through your door, trying to come into your windows. You can start off simply with the idea that there's a boundary and someone or something is trying to pass it. Here's the thing about dreams is oftentimes what they represent as people um, or it could be creatures, animals, ghosts, you know, spirits, whatever. Oftentimes what those things are, are representations of things that are in your inner world. You know, like ghosts can be uh, symbols for um, memories that haunt you. You know, the, 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 they're like ghosts because they're lingering. They're from the past, but they're lingering in the same way that a bad memory can linger with you. Um, I've seen a lot of dreams where uh, they feature things like anxieties, worries, phobias, you know, the sort of uh, compulsions, they represent them as things that are trying to get into your house. Your house is the place inside of your own being where you feel safe. And the anxieties are now trying to come into your mind and penetrate into your feelings. If they can cross that boundary, the dream shows them as getting into your house. But if you can keep them out, 
you know, you're aware there's anxieties here. You have a compulsive disorder. You have a phobia. It's there. You know it is. But if you can maintain, you know, that sense of equanimity within yourself, then the thing never is able to en enter into your feelings. So now the dream needs to take that and create a representation of it. So it tells a scenario of something trying to get into your house. So um, I hope that that was helpful. Spot on. And I feel <laughs> great. I'm glad to hear that, yeah. Laura. Yeah. Um, and this might help if somebody has a dream where they're unable to keep the thing out of their house or they're unable to fight the monster or to win the battle or whatever is to do it while you're awake, get yourself relaxed, quiet, a quiet place, go into the memories of the dream and rewrite the story in a way so that it concludes as in a satisfactory way that you can feel like, yeah, okay, the thing came into my house and then, you know, I was able to summon the power like Gandalf the wizard and I blasted it with my, you know, magic power. It's your imagination and imagination and dreams use the same brain centers, use the same centers of the brain. The imagination, when it is working, the way that everything fires in the brain is the same way that the brain fires while you're dreaming. So you can use your imagination to work with the dream material and then rework the story so that it comes out in a better way. This is called dream rescripting. Um, some people might call it nightmare rescripting. Um, you can use that term to look in a search engine and get more advice than I can give here. But that will give you um, a way of being able to uh, rework the nightmares and really do some, yourself some good. I find it to be the best form of self-help that there is. So I see a, a question from Chris. Do we want to get to that? Sure. Yeah, no, if he, yeah, if good. He's just talking about he was stationed on the USS Eisenhower for four and a half years, and sent, 25 years later, he still has a recurring nightmare. He's pulled back into the Navy, back on the ship, and no matter how hard he tries, he can't get off the ship. And he dreams this weekly. Yeah. Well, to be able to, to, to have that happening for all that time, I mean, it's 25 years, and he's waking up with sweats and his heart racing, and he's on the ship, and he can't get off of the ship. The, the first place I would go with someone I'll, I'll do with someone who came to me with a dream like that, a recurring dream is I would say, what happened back then that you haven't escaped yet? This is something the, there was something about that experience on that ship. It doesn't necessarily be, it's not necessarily a single event that happened. Like you might think like some kind of hazing ritual you know, I mean, weird things happen on ships, you know, that out there at sea with a bunch of young guys and, you know, uh, kind of a fraternity atmosphere. People do things that are, you know, and people do get traumatized, but there could be something that was about the atmosphere, the way that he had to conform to the atmosphere that he was in to be able to survive in that environment. It might have changed him in some kind of fundamental way. And the reason why he's going back to that ship in his dreams is because he's trying to find the lost part of himself. You know, the, whatever it was that caused this split inside of him, um, it happened during that time of his life. Maybe not even necessarily on that ship, but it just, the ship is a, could be just a symbol for that time of his life. And when you go back to places in your dreams uh, from places from your past and there's sign of this, 
lost or haunted feeling to them, it's often because you've experienced um, what's called soul loss. It means that something essential about yourself was lost during that time of your life. And in order for it to survive the experience, it kind of split off from the main personality and buried, it got buried deep down in the subconscious mind and a place where it finds safety. Um, I have found, I've done the, there's a book called Dreaming the, uh, Dreaming the Soul Back Home by Robert Moss. And um, I started doing the exercises in that book. And I soon after I had a dream that I was told that there was um, a boy who um, I was his caretaker and he was a prince. I just knew this. He was a prince and that he had been kept in the library. And somebody came to me and said that he was missing. So I go to the library. I look around. I don't find him. And then I start searching outside of this place where we live. And I found myself in this huge river, dark, muddy river. And I'm going down into the water looking for him. And I'm afraid that he's down, you know, he's gone. He's down in the water. He'll never rise again to the surface. And I woke up from that dream with just a deep sense of loss. And I knew his name from the dream. I called out his name and I could hear right behind me. I was awake now, just had just woken up. And I said, where are you? And I, I hear right behind my right ear, I hear, I'm here. It was like a bright, you know, sounding boy's voice. What, it, what, what was happening is, is by doing the exercises in the book, I was stirring up something deep down inside of me, a part of myself that got lost at the same age that that boy, that there was a sense of myself that I lost, which by the way, was when the nightmares began. The boy was about nine or 10 years old. So that was when that nightmare first happened to me. And there was a sense that I'd lost something about myself that was, it's down under the water. See, the water line is in a dream. It's often a symbol for the threshold of consciousness. Consciousness means that you're consciously aware of it and it's an active part of you. You can look inside your own mind and you can see what that is. But if it's below the water line, then it's, it's below your threshold of awareness, which means it's subconscious or unconscious, as in the unconscious mind. Everything about the person arises from under the water line, from down in the unconscious. Everything about you begins there. So when, it, when I'm looking down in the water, I'm looking for this part of myself that was lost because it, was, it, it, it went unconscious because that place was safe and the waking world wasn't. I find this at the heart of the experiences that a lot of people have with um, recurring nightmares. What they're really looking for is a part of themselves that was so wounded or is in such danger at the time, including not just like physical danger, but emotional and psychological danger. There could be something that's in the environment, whether it's a home or it's a Navy ship, you know, um, that is, was so traumatic that a part of yourself had to go and hide because it was a part of yourself that was very sensitive to what was going on. You know, uh, Chris says it could be, could this be a form of, of PTSD? You know, I mean, if you did experience traumatic stress while you were in the Navy and stationed on that ship or just in the Navy, then I would say it could be. In fact, PTSD is one of the more common reasons for uh, recurring nightmares. 
And a very good friend of mine, um, Linda Schiller, wrote a book called PTS Dreams. Um, she's um, a therapist who specializes in uh, treating uh, post-traumatic stress. And she uh, wrote that book, PTS Dreams. Um, I would recommend it for you, Chris, because um, she gives a lot of advice about people whose nightmares are driven by PTSD. So um, uh, if we have any other questions, I'll take them. Yeah, one, one I was just saying, like, just kind of a follow-up, like what you're talking about, like, especially, wouldn't that be where when sometimes when you have, when you're seeing that river, isn't that a lot of times like when you're going to dream about the ferryman, river sticks, you know, that type of thing, because you're going to have <laughs> yeah. that type of thing where, where some of it's buried underneath the water and you just, you have something, which is just that vessel, the ferryman. That's why I was wondering if it would be kind of yeah. like that. Is that when you'd see that kind of stuff pop up? Um, you, if the dream needs to convey an idea that is um, uh, related to um, uh, to the ferryman and the mythology of the river Styx, um, in fact, that is an entry um, in my book because there's a lot of there are enough people who dream about the ferryman that I wanted to address this. Um, one of the in one of the dreams, a, the woman is taken across. I use a lot of examples in my book. Um, I've helped a lot of people with their dreams and talked with them about their dreams. So I've, I've got these, you know, um, uh, I, I, this, you know, encyclopedia of knowledge and experience. And I try to draw on it as much as I can real life examples. So one of them was somebody who shared a dream where she said that um, she was taken across the river sticks to the land of the dead. And she knew that she was looking for her friend who had died Um the he, they said it was suicide, but she thought that it was murder that was covered up as a suicide. This had been a childhood friend, and um, then you know they they become adults. He gets married to someone that she was very suspicious of, and the next thing she knows, he's dead. And she didn't she didn't believe the story, um, and um, she found him in the afterlife. It, she's dreaming this. She finds him. And they have this reunion. She runs up and hugs him and says that she's always loved him and, um, you know, that has never forgotten him. And she asked, you know, did what was what what happened to you? How did you die? And he says that he wasn't murdered, that he did kill himself and it did have something to do with his wife. So whether or not that was true objectively or whether or not she was actually finding his spirit in the afterlife, there was no way of telling for sure. What I told her to do was to focus on how this res resolved the question for her. This was something that had been disturbing her. You know, what happened to my friend? You know, why did he have to die? And so the dream gave her an answer. And I said, that is what's most important. The dream gave you an answer. And whether it's objectively true or not, it resolved the conflict for you. She's like, yeah, after the dream, I felt like I was able to put this thing to rest. And I said, then it's your dream. You interpret it the way that is right for you, which I tell other people that I work with in the same sort of way. Um, there's an old saying. Um, it's from the Talmud. And it is that um, the interpretation of a dream follows the mouth. Um, this is a translated into English. And what it basically means is that the way that you interpret a dream tends to come be a self-fulfilling prophecy. That if you interpret it in a way that's negative, then it becomes negative. And I see this all the time. Be like, you know, 
um, will be talking at Reddit about someone's dream and they have a dream that something's caught in their throat. This, this is a real example. Guy had a dream mm-hmm. that something was caught in his throat. Someone came in and said, I think you have cancer. And I'm like, don't put that in someone's head because if they believe it, it can become true. I was like, yep. I, I think you might have obstructive sleep apnea. You know, and I gave him a different way of, of interpreting because he was he kept dreaming about things getting caught in his throat. And this is a very common um, thing in recurring bad dreams where people wake up and they're gasping and their hearts beating and, you know, they're, they, they're, they can't catch their breath. And it's because they've been, you know, they're experiencing OSA, obstructive sleep apnea. And um, so the, the way that you interpret the dream can become a self-fulfilling prophecy. And um, the dream is your dream. And when you rely on other people to interpret your dream for you, you are giving them immense power to work through your subconscious mind that produced yeah, the dream. And it's working through your subconscious mind to shape the way that you think and feel. And it can even become a self-fulfilling prophecy about the future. So you really want to learn how to interpret your own dreams. And if you're going to help other people with their dreams, you want to be very aware of the power that you have to shape their lives. Shameless plug. There's your first one of your things that's going to help you along with his other books. No, um, Chris. Um, and then, so hopefully that answered Chris, you know, there too. And, you know, Ryan, yeah. I'm going to get back to Ron um, clarified on a couple points there, but Ryan, I was, I want, it was glad you asked that. Cause I, one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about, you know, he says our minds can't create new faces in our dreams. Correct. I go, no, Mine? they can. Yeah. I was they just because I generate some stuff I've seen some like vivid dreams and these are people I don't, I don't recognize and I'm having personal conversations and yeah. inter- interactions with these people in these dreams. And I don't know, you know, I've never met these people before in my life. Well, the you know, I don't proof, recognize them. The proof that I've been able to give, see this, this um, it's kind of an urban myth and it is actually based on a finding from neuroscience that shows that what is active in the brain as you're dreaming. And what they found was, is that the, the memory centers for faces, the recognition of faces, there's a specific part of the brain that is tied with that, uh, that function. You know, we, we very much are tied to um, faces associated with identity. So this came out of a finding from neuroscience. And the theory, theory was that the, uh, it means that the dreaming mind is unable to create new faces because it's going to always draw from the memory of faces that it's seen, not just specific faces of people that you've seen, but it can kind of mash them together too. You know, there's kind of an AI art director in the background that can mash together memories and create a new face. But here's the, how I know that it, your, your mind can create faces and dreams, faces of people that you've never seen before, because I have so many stories, anecdotes, and also from study and research where people have dreamed about other people that they met later in their lives. Not crazy. They hadn't met him yet. This is known as precognition and it's been studied pretty extensively. And here's an example. Um, Carl Jung is one of my inspirations. My book, by the way, is kind of sneaky. I I sneak in a lot of Carl Jung's, uh, uh, teachings and philosophy uh, and dream psychology into the book. 
Um, Carl Jung uh, had a friend of his named Wolfgang Pauli. This is the same physicist who won the Nobel Prize. Uh, he was a uh, he was specialized in quantum physics during the um, kind of the early years, early decades as quantum physics was emerging as a field. Um, he ended up winning a Nobel Prize. Um, he and Jung were working on the connections between the psyche and physics, and they were finding, you know, they, they were trying to explain it. And one of them is Carl Jung's theory of synchronicity. He worked on that for 20 years with Wolfgang Pauli. And so Pauli was coming to Jung with his dreams. He, Pauli had a lot of these dreams that helped him with his work. And he would come up with revolutionary ideas um, in physics um, through his dreams and they also would talk about some of his more personal dreams. And in one of them, he had a recurring dream about an Asian woman that he felt this very deep um, attraction to, a very deep sense of importance. When this woman appeared in his dreams, then like he just kind of zeroed in on her. And um, Jung kept saying that he thought that she was an anima figure. Um, anima is a term to describe um, a... Um, a, a dream figure that represents the underside of the the underside of a person's personality is always the opposite sex, and it's so the unconscious mind. I'm a conscious being, but I have an underside to it that is uh, 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 the same structure that I am as a conscious being is mirrored in this other side of the mind. It's kind of like we know now that there's an antimatter universe. There's the universe we know, and there's its exact opposite, near opposite. That's what the unconscious, this, uh, this concept is. Okay. So to make a long story short, a lot of men have these very powerful dreams about female figures that are anima figures. And that's what Jung thought that Polly was dreaming about until Polly met that woman in the flesh and recognized her immediately. She showed up at one of his lectures she went on to play a very important role in his life and was there. It's a kind of an untold story about her contributions to the work that he did that won him the Nobel prize. That work was a, it shaped physics. I mean, the field of physics, Wolfgang Pauli is one of the, you know, the five or 10 leading figures from the 20th century. He was that influential. So, um, when he met her, he recognized her immediately from her dreams. So he had he didn't he had never seen her before. She lived on the other side of the world when he was dreaming about her, and then she immigrated to the same country to the um, to, that he was in. So you know he had no contact with her before then. How did his dreams produce her face, so that he recognized her immediately? So your dreams can create new faces. And so, yeah. Um, and before we get to Ramona's thing here too, uh, so Ron, he was talking about like where if you see flowers in a situation that keeps repeating or colors of objects or maybe even the objects. Oh, is this what, um, what, what we're meaning by signs? Yeah, like you see like repeating things. Yeah. Like if you're always coming in, there's always like that rose, you know, <laughs> sitting isolated, you know, on that, you know. Yeah. Like Beauty uh, and the Beast maze. type thing. You know, there's always a rose right there, yeah. It's, it works the same way as uh, synchronicity. Uh, Carl Jung's theory of synchronicity is that there are meaningful connections between the outer world and the inner world. Um, 
And the outer world can give you signs to follow because you're pursuing something that is essentially beginning within you. Some people have done it for creative projects, scientific discoveries. Some people have followed their synchronicities and found the love of their life. Some people have done it and they found lost objects. Um, I mean, the, the list goes on and on and on. Um, it's when those signs, it works the same way. It's synchronicities that are happening inside of you in your dream life. They're basically asking for your attention and they want you to follow it down the rabbit hole. There's something, you know, like if I started off, if there was a the recurring red rose, I would look up the mythology of it. And that also leads the rose is the rose of uh, Mary um, and the, um, the cult of Magdalene. And you look up mm -hmm. what she meant, you know, as the, um, in some traditions, she's known as the wife of Jesus. You know, the Gnostic traditions, there was a whole understanding of Mary uh, uh, representing a side of consciousness that needs to be balanced with the masculine. Carl Jung said that we became so one-sided masculine that we actually repressed the feminine, not just repressing women, but repressing the feminine within ourselves and that we lost something essential about ourselves as men and that women lost something too through this sort of repression of anything that was feminine. The feminine is intuitive and non-rational. The feminine is connectedness. It's relatedness. It's cooperative. We lost these things within ourselves. So if I was to have a dream where this red rose was coming up, I would follow it to Magdalene. Then from Magdalene, I would follow it to, you know, the idea of what she represents as the feminine. And then from there, I would keep following the trail. But whatever it is, I recommend that you find um, what that symbol, um, research it as a symbol. You can use my dream interpretation dictionary, symbol, signs, and meanings um, is one um, book that you can refer to as a reference book. Um, but there's also other great books that are on dream symbols, and I'm not going to be able to think of it off the top of my head. Um, but um, begin there. In fact, um, Visible, yeah, thank you for bringing that up. Um, the uh, Visible Ink Press, my publisher, has um, a book out on dream symbols that's um, very well known as a uh, reference source. And I would begin there. But here's the thing. You know why it's there and the reason why is because you, the reason why you know is because you create your dreams see a lot of people think that their dreams are created in some other place because they feel so disconnected from you know ordinary waking reality and the the truth is is that you create your dreams subconsciously therefore you know what they mean you know what they're the, whatever message it's trying to get through or whatever a symbol means or why a sign keeps appearing, you know it's already. And it keeps having to try to get your attention. It wants you to get curious enough to follow it down the rabbit hole. It can't just tell you. It has to tell you a story and you have to get the point of it. And the reason why you have to kind of follow it down the rabbit hole is because there's something that you're unable to process consciously. You won't, you can't understand it, or you refuse to accept it, or it's just kind of outside of your scope of knowledge and experience. And 
so the dream is telling it to you as this metaphor, you know, like the rose. It's a metaphor. And I found this out from psychology. One of the really, I'm not a psychologist, but I've, I have to know a lot about it for what I do. And um, I found out one of the really interesting things about metaphors is that they get around our ego barriers and defenses. That's why dreams use metaphors to communicate with us. Because if they hit us over the head with the facts, it's not going to change the ego's point of view. It's not going to drive home the point. It's not going to make you learn the deeper lesson. It's going to roll right off of you. It's going to go in one ear and out the other. Water under the bridge, you know, it just whoosh. But when you have to think about something like a metaphor and you understand the connection, oh, the rose, and it represents this, this is what it means. And bingo, now you've made that connection and that now you get it. It gets around the ego's barriers and defenses. And so that's what your dreams are inviting you to do. When they give you these signs, they're saying, come deeper, come and have this deeper experience. But you might need to do a little bit of research on it. I've known people who had recurring dreams about ancient Egypt. Then they started looking in, you know, beyond just sort of the standard history books into ancient Egypt, especially like uh, their uh, religious beliefs and spiritual practices. And they found something there that was waiting for them to discover. The dreams were dropping little clues for them to follow. I know someone else who kept having dreams about the Bahamas. And finally, she's like, all right, here I go. And she packed her bags and she went to the Bahamas for a year, found a job at a resort or whatever, and just so that she could be there. And she said that she needed to have that experience. Once she did it, the dreams about the Bahamas went away. But it was calling to her. So when these things appear in your dreams, there's some kind of sign. And you know deep down inside of yourself why it's there. Are you going to be curious enough then to follow it down the rabbit hole? And then kind of Derek, you had that. What helps um, retain and remember more dreams? Because I know mm-hmm. like my, my wife, she, she rarely remembers. Yep dreams that she has i mean i know a lot of people that that way were me vividly i mean i can i mean i just i remember the whole, the dream everything that happened yeah well um you probably give it the time and attention that it needs um if you here's here's the those are the two main factors and let's pick up on that so first um well time and desire attention is part of it too but time and attention are kind of the same thing um in this in the way that i'm going to explain this see the dream memories are dreams are kept in a special form of short-term memory. It's very easily overwritten by new memories. So if you wake up and you think about anything other than your dreams, you are now overwriting your dream memories. So they're, they're still deep down inside of you, but the longer you wait to remember them, the less detail you're going to be able to get. So, that's the, the first thing you need to do is wake up and go, what did I dream? Don't check your phone. Don't start a conversation. Don't think about something else. You know, uh, just let yourself think about your dreams. For me, it begins when I'm going to bed. I'm reminding myself that I'm about to go to sleep. And the next experience is after I close my eyes, the next experiences that I have 
must be dream experiences. I give it my attention so that when I wake up in the morning, it's naturally the first thing that's on my mind. I've been keeping track of my dreams for about 30 years now in dream journals. And I can tell you that I've gone for more than a month without remembering anything from my dreams. And it's usually because I'm going to bed exhausted. I simply don't have the energy for it. But then I wake up in the morning, you know, other times when I wake up and I'm well rested or I wake up in the middle of the night, I often have, I wake up after four, four and a half hours of sleep and I can remember I've just come out of a REM stage of sleep when you have the most vivid dreams. It's during the REM stage. And I can wake up and go, wow, I'll have one, two, three dreams that I can remember. Write them down, go back to sleep, wake up again in the morning, and now I have more dreams that I can remember. But I've given it the attention and the time. And I do that because I have the desire. I have the desire because my dream life is so enriching. And that by remembering my dreams, I have material to work with, to understand myself better, to give myself the help that I need, to give a check-in of what's going on in my interior world. The dream is a snapshot of what's going on, a process that's happening in your interior world, in your deep down in your psyche. It's the dream is showing you. It's like a camera that goes into a part of yourself that you don't normally get to see. I find it to be fascinating, but I also know the good that it can do. I mean, for one, it helped me to heal. You know, we go back to what I was talking about, about those nightmares. And, you know, I, uh, I had a lot of healing to do. Uh, for two is it's made me become a better person. I'm better with in my relationships. I'm more creative. Um, I feel like I have a deeper, better sense of myself. And I can also see things coming. If I wake up from a dream that where I was acting in the dream where I was kind of acting moody or uh, flippant or disconnected or something like that, I can, my, what my dream was doing was showing me that something is brewing inside of me where I need to be aware of it because I might get disconnected from myself in a way, you know, um, I might wake up moody and or it, or it comes on later in the day, and I don't realize I'm starting to act unconsciously. See, we are called to be conscious beings, but we arise from a place that's like an ocean and of, in, of infinite potential that is the unconscious mind. Everything about yourself as a conscious being comes out of that place. It's, you know, out of, think of it as an ocean. That's the metaphor. In fact, a lot of dreams about the ocean, that's a metaphor, it's their metaphor. The, and it's a symbol in their dreams for the unconscious mind. You're, you're trying to have a relationship with this part of yourself that is infinitely vast and more powerful than you are as a conscious being. But it's trying to build you up so that you can be an equal partner with it. The unconscious created you as a personality at least it created the blueprint for you. And then you get into this world and you have to figure out life for yourself. It's very easy to get disconnected from those roots or to get overpowered by them. Uh, a lot of mental illness comes down to people who are overpowered by the contents of the unconscious. 
it's uh it's like being out in that water and you don't have a life vest and you just swim in, swim in, swim in, swim in, but there's no shore in sight, you know, or the wave you're on shore, but the wave from the ocean is just, you know, 10 stories tall and it's coming to crash down on you. This is a sort of metaphor for the way that you can have a relationship with the unconscious. If you can have the strength to build yourself up as a conscious being then you can access the unconscious safely and it becomes a partner. It's an ally, but you have to pass the test first, which takes us in a roundabout way back to what we were talking about, about the ways we create our heroes and the reasons why we can have nightmares as sort of tests of our metal, as existential challenges, because the unconscious is trying to make you into a stronger being that can incorporate more of what it has to offer. And what it has to offer is infinity. It's, it's limitless. There's also a lot of the abilities of the mind first come out of the unconscious. And they, uh, make, they make themselves known to you through your dreams that you have this potential. So in a roundabout sort of way, it brings us back to the unconscious and your relationship to it. Is It's trying to help you to become the best person that you can be and to develop the deeper abilities that you have as a being that is comes out of a place that's infinite. So um, I hope that I... Uh, yeah, uh, no, I mean, that's that's a perfect place to wrap it up. I mean, because I was just looking at the time. I mean, we're right, we're right there. I mean, it's just... So just, I mean, I want to thank you for coming on. First of all, that's... Oh, yeah. I, hey, I love it when I can just sit back and learn. That's I, I like writing notes <laughs> during the shows. Those are fun. Learn. Uh, awesome. That's right. Well, so I'm happy to do it. Yeah. So I said Visible Ink Press, the publisher. This one, we're talking about Nightmares, Your Guide to Interpreting Your Darkest Dreams. Um, he's also, like I said, he's got three other books um, that as well. Go to Amazon.com. Go to his website. I'm going to bring that up real quick, actually, just so everybody can see yep. it. Because I have, I had that there, and I just I hadn't got around to it yet. Oh, there he is. So hey, nice. Yeah, that's my website. Yeah, yep, yep. <laughs> And there's the there's the book we're talking about. Links, um, like I said, links to it. Plus, there's the other the other three. Crash the, course uh, crash interpretation. Course, yeah, I wrote that and published it myself. Um, it's uh, only 100 pages, and it can really get you up to speed on the mechanics, the process of dream interpretation as I teach it. So if there's anybody out there that wants to read a book tonight and wake up tomorrow with a process to follow to get them into their dreams, that's the book. There it is. Yeah. So just check those out. And I, um, I, was gonna, I already had it up there, but I, I, I already clicked follow. Just so. Yeah. Just, hey, so, yeah. So, yeah, so that's one of those things, like when you have – when you have people, you know, just go there, the author, follow them. Um, I, I'm terrible about it. Everybody that's been on the show knows this. I'm way behind on my reviews and leaving feedback, you know, stuff for the, my things on the show. So I promise at some point I will get to it. I will get to it. I, I say I have, wow. a, I have a stack of the ones that I've got to get to. So I need to just start focusing on it. But It's very valuable for the authors. You wouldn't believe yeah. what it takes to get reviews and ratings and stuff and what they can do to help you to sell books. That uh, Dream Interpretation Dictionary now has over a thousand ratings and I don't know, maybe 50 reviews. And uh, it's um, not all of them glowing, but there's enough that people can look at it and go, this is genuine and I can get a sense of what I'm buying. 
uh, and uh, it sells a lot of books. So uh, yeah, I, thank you, I feel like thank some you of the for ones, all of those who leave reviews. Yeah. yeah, I feel like a lot of the ones that give like the one star ones are your um, fellow competitor authors that are trying to get their books up the list. And oh, I've you know, seen they're, worse. yeah, they're telling Bob, yeah. "Hey, can you go on his page and just say that this is a bunch of crap?" And uh, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't believe anything that's. And you're like, and, "How is this? Mm-hmm. How is this compare with all the the fifteen hundred ones that say that this is an amazing book and has changed my life?" It's like, what happened to Bob? Yeah. Bob's bitter. Well, it happened to me and Amazon removed a review that uh, somebody left and we were able to prove that they hadn't actually read the book because if they had their, their, their review was, was not factual. So I've had that happen. Pretty crazy. Um, Thank you guys. Yeah. Three beards or two, two and a half beards. Like I said, you qualify. qualify. Your face, um, your face is covered. You got a beard on it. You're good. Yep. yep. <laughs> yeah, I said it. Thank you. It's not long appeal and it's not fake. Uh, it, it's you know, yeah. it wasn't the spray on you know hair color. Like I said no. it's an actual no. actual stubble, so it counts. It's it counts. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. For, yeah. Laura. Damn it, Bob. Yeah. For anybody that knows, that's my that's my go to name for anything that goes wrong is Bob. I, I just like Bob. I don't know why I picked Bob, but Bob is the Bob is the one. So, but yeah, everybody, please go support, go support Jason and, you know, pick up the books. Like I said, you, Hey, if I can go, if I can go on vacation and read this, so can you, And uh, so it's, it's, de- it's definitely worthwhile. So, yep. all right, Jason, thank you, man. Have, you know, best of the family and everybody appreciate you coming on the show. Hey, thank you. Um, thank you. For- always, always appreciate it. Take care. And thank you for all the great questions and from the audience too, for their great questions. And, uh, yeah. Really gave me a chance to show what I know and to share what I share what I know. So thank you for that opportunity. You're welcome. You're welcome. Everybody brought to you by Ert Radio. Go to Mixler.com. Subscribe. Set up your account. Um, Takes just a little bit there. Three Beers Podcast. That's it. You're going to follow. If you want to listen to that on repeat 24-7, you can. But there's also other great programming. Um, You know, Ron's got a show where they basically, it's elixirs and concoctions and readings and they they drink and when they get done by the time you get down there that the readings at the end are the ones that are um, are incredibly fun because every everybody's getting a little tipsy and the the readings become a little, little less restrained you so gotta promote your swag you know that's right yeah you just got sleep or you go out with your friends before you have your dreams that's right i don't even yeah it's like me i'm I know. Red I, I appreciate Red Bubble. Three beer. Yep, red, red Bubble. Redbubble.com is the is the place to go. That you've got. Let's see if I can bring up the banners here. That would help. You can go there. Redbubble.com. <laughs> forward slash Three Beards Podcast. That's where you get the merchandise. There. You can yes. check us out on social media. We are on pretty much everything. We have a TikTok channel, um, Instagram. We got two accounts there. Twitter. We've also got every. Everything else, so follow, follow there. I want to appreciate everybody for watching. We're rebroadcast amazingly on Ert Radio every Wednesday at 11 p.m. So this show will be rebroadcast next next week, starting at 11 p.m. on Ert Radio. So tell you know set set that count, set your alarm so you can wake up if you're you know if you're still asleep at at 11 there. So check that out. But I just want to thank everybody for the support, the stars, um, Ramona. Laura, thank you so thank you so much for that. That that meant quite a bit. I really appreciate it. it helps us out. And just once again, and we're we're gonna have a great show next week too. We are talking about 
um, what's going on currently with all the UFO sightings, the shoot downs, the balloons sailing across plus project Bluebeam. This is a little known, a little known thing for a lot of people. This conspiracy theory that was developed in the late, in the late eighties. It's that this is where it really came, came to fruition. And so this is, this one's going to be a lot of fun. And so we're going to talk, talk about that. And then the following week after that, we're going to be talking we're going to be going down even more of the rabbit hole. We're going to be talking about the Bundy standoffs and the Ruby Ridge. So we've we're going from helping you helping you understand your nightmares to giving you. Them. So that's that's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> so hey, we're a full service shop here, people. So everybody, uh, I appreciate you watching. Thank you so much. We will see you next week. Good night.